Ooh, I hit the record button. All right. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So welcome, everyone. Uh, this is our podcast. I'm Gary Baudet, and I have my brother, Ronaldo Rucker, yes, sir. with me. And yeah, we're going to talk about some stuff today. So let's do it. I'm excited. And just because Ronaldo is someone that I've looked up to my whole life. I don't know if I've ever told you that. I probably have. Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe once or twice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Right, and he's someone uh, that I would always appreciate because he would tell me when I was doing something dumb, which was a lot of times. Um, but he was always a, a good role model and good example. Well, not oh, I mean, of course, you did some things too. But you said, you know, learn you grow from it, like sure. what not to do, right? Yeah. So you had to do those things so, so you can learn from them, right? <laughs> right, and um, just someone we've uh, always had a close relationship with. And there's just a lot going on right now, and. Indeed. So we're like, all right. Um, and really, I'll blame Monica for, for this because she's like, well, you guys talk about serious things, but you guys talk so well to each other and so respectful and listen and and uh, just really try to learn from each other. I'm like, yeah, isn't that how, how it should be? Like, And then we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe it's not that easy. Maybe not everyone has such a good relationship where um, that they're, they're genuinely trying to hear things from a different perspective and um yeah so I'll, I'll stop blabbering um yeah just give everyone a, a just some background about you and kind of the things that you're doing right now yes yes so yes um so currently right so thank you for that gary you know little bro appreciate you <laughs> respect all the great work that uh gary's doing um i am a currently a high school teacher at grace davis high school here in modesto i'm a teacher resource um formerly the the black student union advisor uh, was the state president for that uh, organization as well for three years, uh, from 2015 to 18. Um, served on different community boards. Um, currently, assist in the community as well. Um, and I actually have a, a business I just started uh, about a year ago called Nate Neville Solutions. It's more about just empowerment and equity, social justice, and just you know, the things that I've learned over the years um, and just how I can give back and uh, be a, a pillar in the community. Um, I do have my master's in um, educational leadership, too. So I'm just really passionate about helping students and parents advocate for themselves as I continue to advocate for myself as well. Hmm. And were you, you were teaching special needs as well, right, at, at one point? Yeah, so resources is a, segment, that? Okay. a segment in special education. So I was teaching uh, for my first five years and uh, as a teacher, I taught uh, students with severe uh, disabilities. So, you know, definitely learned a lot. Uh, positive reinforcement, place-based education, you know, and also PBIS. So that's positive behavior intervention support. So just how to reward students in a, you know, I guess a healthy way. So that, yeah, that's one thing I looked up to you for was, so I was subbing at San Francisco County Office of Education. I worked in emotionally disturbed as a teacher's aide uh, classroom and then a lot of children with autism and and there was this this class called severely handicapped sh yeah, yeah, that's what and <laughs> and when i i went in that class like i was i wasn't strong enough to be in there i'm like man this is like it's so sad some of the the kids who can't can't walk who can't do certain things it just like broke my heart and i'm like i'm so glad there's people who are stronger than me who could go and lead because it was just it was very difficult um, for me, and I, I would try and put on a face like, "Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here," and you know, I, I, I could only handle one day. I went back into the children with autism room, and um, because they liked the fact that I was a guy, I was strong enough to like kind of move children, and 
um, some of the older kids, but man, how, how what'd you learn about that experience? It's very challenging for sure. Uh, I learned that I had to have a lot of patience. So I did learn that or even develop that skill a little, a little bit more. Um, and also just uh, how to appreciate mm-hmm. your, 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 what you have and mm-hmm. how to appreciate your, your skills and abilities. Um, and also what I really learned is that all of us have a, a place in this world. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. gifts. Mm-hmm. It might not be, you know, what, how people normally see it, mm-hmm. but I've, I've, I've seen and saw how many uh, different ways my students were able to contribute to society. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also uh, kind of unfortunate because, you know, students, and just young people, people in general mm-hmm. have restrictions placed on them mm-hmm. um, because people like to overcompensate and, and help mm-hmm. out when it's not needed. Mm-hmm. So I kind of learned how to properly support mm-hmm. people even better to where, you know, you meet them where they're at and then help uplift them and, and show them how to feed themselves and mm-hmm. do things for themselves. So I learned a lot, though. Very appreciative of that experience. I mean, that that is tough, though, right, to when, when to know when you're doing too much for someone and when do you let them struggle a little bit on their own, but being there to kind of guide and coach them, catch them, you know, so they don't fall. Right. But yeah, without struggle, there's not growth. 100%. 100%. So I, I remember being at, so we went to children with autism. We went to, we would take them like home Depot and target, you know, try to do some life skills. And I remember one of the, the students, um, right. Had an episode, had, had a fit. Um, they couldn't do what they wanted at that time, but we would have cards to like give to people who are looking at us strange. I, I just, I remember this lady's face was just looking like, what is this? Look at me like I didn't care about this kid because I was letting them finish what they were doing. And then I picked them up, right? I didn't want to give in because we had a behavioral plan for them. Exactly. And I'm just like, this person has no idea like what's going on here. But this judgmental look that they have on on this, the person, right? They're having an episode, so they're on the ground and it didn't look very good, but it always made me, I guess it humbled me where if there's a kid crying in a restaurant, I'm not going to jump. Oh, those are horrible parents or any of that. I, I did learn, but I remember the the look that she gave and I had one of those cards. I'm like, I'm not going to give her a card. Like, you know, I can't, I can't worry about that, but it, it does make you just um, see things a little bit different. It makes you more empathetic. You yeah. Because how, like you said, that lady that was watching you, if the roles were, were reversed and you were right. that lady based on your experience, like right. you said, you would already kind of understood what was happening. Right. Um, so empathy, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people like to use that word, but it, it's, you know, once you truly are aware, I can understand how people are dealing with things mm-hmm. and you know, you've mm-hmm. been in their shoes before. It helps right. a lot. Right. And then on the flip side, that could have been me. I could have been that late <clears throat> lady looking at someone. Maybe I was at one point, you know, maybe, so then it's try. All right, could I empathize with that lady? Right, that's the struggle. That's the hard part. You're right, you're right. I'm like, I'm judging her, but <laughs> when she first sees it, maybe she had some bad experiences. So it is hard to just overgeneralize things. Um, but of course, in the moment, I, I wasn't annoyed with her than the look that I got. But all right, maybe she just didn't know. And maybe if I didn't have, like you're saying, it was a blessing to be able to work in a class like that. If I didn't have that then I might be just like the lady and giving people weird looks. So, And, and that's a, actually you had me thinking of something right now because, one, what I really learned in this space is where the, where the priority is, right? So my student is a priority. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you can have a, a parent. Well, parents are definitely included in that, right. in that equation, but you can have a community member, another educator, uh, whoever it is. You know, they might have other motives or, or different 
interests or things they want, but what does the student need at this moment? Right. So we don't need this judgment from this person that's looking. Right. So, yeah, I hope that changes, you know, but I really don't care. <laughs> as long as my student is getting that's the right. services and support right. they need, that's what matters. Right. So. Right. And I would say this, the method of letting them finish um, their episode really helped them stop doing that. Exactly. Right. So it was a plan that maybe other people didn't understand, but it, it definitely worked out. So, yeah, I got, got a lot of um, right lessons learned in that. Very, very humbling. And yeah, it did make me feel grateful for a lot of things that I took for granted and made me think, uh, should I complain about certain things? Like, wow, not just the Right, the students that had disabilities, but their families—the strain that you would see it put on yeah, the, their families—the strength they have, yeah—and the, the strength that they have. And I don't know the statistic on this. I could just tell you from the class that I worked at, most of the children with autism, it was their grandparents were their caregivers. Mm -hmm. And I kind of asked why, and a lot of it's because it's so hard on the parents. They just needed. Yeah, it's a strain. Yeah. It's, it's such a strain. So it's. Um, yeah, and, and just the amount of autism, like the trend, now it's one in 180. Uh, it's probably even more than that now. It just is something that I really, um, yeah, learned a lot. Actually, I would even say overall in, in the special education realm, I like to tell my students and their parents, but more, more so the students, especially at the resource level, that I feel like all of us have special needs. Mm -hmm. you know, there's something mm -hmm. that all of us are dealing with, struggling mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. um, and the main thing is how do you learn how to um, just kind of manage it and include it in who you are to where it doesn't, you know, cripple you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it could be um, like a superpower or, you know, if you, if you understand it the right way. So it's more so helping students learn how to just self-identify and learn who mm -hmm. they are Mm -hmm. So they could just be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so I really come into it not really trying to put any restrictions or labels on them, and just kind of you know you do have the behavior plan and certain plans in place like you stated. You want to know what disabilities they have, but it's more, you know, just not judging them and, and, mm -hmm. and getting let, letting them get to their most uh, productive productive uh, selves. Mm -hmm. So, being a teacher. Um, is there, is there some things or advice, things that you've done that you could share that really helps people get to the most productive selves, um, right, with students who you see someone who has potential, say, and you're just like, man, I, I, I could just nudge them, give them a little bit of guidance. I could just watch this person flourish. Is there any insight there of how to kind of take someone who you see potential in, but but maybe they're, they're slacking a little bit or really not focused and, and kind of help them develop. For sure. So, and, I'm, and like you said earlier, I'm definitely not like, uh, you know, perfect or have all the answers. But, you know, what I like to do, and, I, and it's kind of like treat people how you like to get treated, especially mm -hmm. we're adults now. So we can look back and say, oh, I wish this person would have did this or I wish I would have was able to have this type of um, support. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you and I, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, so mm -hmm. I learned a lot. Um, even, you know, where our connection with music back in the day, like just being able to follow your passions. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, I try to really connect with my students. You know, me being a resource uh, teacher, my, I have a smaller classroom. Mm -hmm. I would say average about maybe 12 to 15 students. So and even sometimes that might be a little bit larger at times. I would mm -hmm. say 10 maybe is a good number to where I can really have conversations, you know, give certain mm -hmm. assignments to where we're digging into what your interests are. Um, you know, what are you currently doing? Um, and then really trying to find them, 
mentors or experiences where they can get more passionate or even just become more educated about their craft or what they're interested in, but then finding a way to connect it to their, to their future goals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Cause even for me, I mean like baseball was my passion, you know, we connected mm -hmm. through baseball mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then, and that kept me in school. You know, I, I learned like uh, math and baseball kind of went hand in hand cause I wanted to know what my batting average was. <laughs> so you do right? yeah. statistics. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. that got me really interested in math. Um, so it's just what, and actually I have a student right now, he was all in the stocks, you know, mm. but he, but he doesn't really want to do his schoolwork. He's just all about stocks. So mm. it's like, how do we connect that to where he can, you know, kind of do both. Um, so, so just connecting mm. them to their passion and, and their interest. Um, but then also I, I would really say is a place-based education. So, you know, taking students to places, mm. right? So yeah. like, um, you know, for somebody like myself, I was, if I was in the baseball, you know, you would take me to a baseball mm -hmm. game. Um, but then at the same time, you're learning other careers in that field. Um, you're learning how math works in all kind of areas. So just taking students, you know, I took students to Google um, and connected them with coding. Mm -hmm. So I would just say really connecting them to their passions. Um, and lastly, I would say uh, cultural, cultural awareness and education helps a lot, too. Uh, so just understanding their background so they can be more mm -hmm. empowered to, you know, take the baton and move it forward for the community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's, um, I know, I said we probably want to talk about it this time, but yeah, just what you're saying, I'm like, geez, I want to redo all of education. Mm -hmm. I really, <laughs> right, because I want so much of that. Um, so here, here's something. So I just asked Isla what she wanted to be when she grows up. And I always ask her because it changes, you know, she's in um, fourth grade. So yeah. now she wants to be a teacher. Right. And that that is one of the most common answers. Right. A, a teacher, because that's what you're aware. Of. So she must really like her teacher right now. So right. people say yeah. teacher, policeman, stuff that you're. You you're yeah. yeah. She didn't say a lean six sigma master black belt. <laughs> I'm like, why wouldn't you say lean? Right. They don't because they don't show these things mm -hmm. in school. Mm -hmm. um, but something. Yeah. Like taking them to Google, taking them and show them like, hey, there's different jobs. I mean, even Santa Sauce County, where we live, when students think of ag, they think, well, I don't want to go milk a cow all day long. Like, no, there's IT professions, there's technology, there's a lot of different things. I would assume marketing. Or, mar all all yeah. of it. Yeah, it's yeah. a business, right? Exactly. It's and it, it, billions and billions of dollars annual business in, in Santa Sauce County that are just around food and ag. Um, right. So if students don't know, they don't know. So they're not very interested in it. But yeah, definitely. I like the idea of, of so you said like baseball and, and math, like, all right, yeah, let's, let's give them statistics that are, that are baseball, you know, for to do a curriculum for someone who really is interested in baseball. Let's teach them if they're managing a, a ball club or no, they they own a, a baseball team. How they look at salaries. Let's put them right. Got to use some just a player, but you can own the team. Right. Start right. thinking at that level. Correct. Right. And you have to have math. You have to do marketing. Like, so why can't a project be, and maybe there are some like this out there. But, you know, that is your project. You own a business, and it's the right the San Francisco Giants. And how are you going to get attendance? How are you going to – what are you going to charge beer prices for? And what is that going to do to uh, ticket sales? And just – so, right. And I would say because like you that. said, Isla, you know, your, you know, your daughter's how old? She just turned nine. Nine. Mm -hmm. So you're already talking to her about this at this level, right? Even at church earlier, you were talking to her about, you know, some of the things you're doing. And mm -hmm. so she's aware that – um, but even what you said about like owning a team, right? I was always trying to be a player. Be I wanted mm -hmm. to play for mm -hmm. you know my favorite team was the Cincinnati Reds. I wanted to play for them. But if somebody would have said, "Oh, you can probably own the Cincinnati Reds," and, and mm -hmm. I started looking at that, 
Like that would have like maybe changed my world, you know. Mm, got me that's more, true. got me more interested in school and business at an earlier age, so I wouldn't be so uh, behind the eight ball when I graduated high school, college, and so forth. So, earlier age is important. Yeah. So, like with my academic career, <laughs> right? I had my ups and downs, and when when looking back at it. It was like the classes where I, w I wasn't interested in, of course, I didn't pay as much attention and, and do as well. Um, and then the ones that weren't real life, like I had this teacher in sixth grade, Mr. Ewick, and he was a retired police officer. Oh, this is going to be some good news. Go ahead. It, it is. You might be listening. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, it was. I actually emailed him about two years ago just okay. to t tell him about the impact that he oh, had on oh, wow. like what I'm doing now. So he had a little bit of a little bit of extra money from his retirement, and okay. this is what he told everyone. He bought a uh, laser disc, <laughs> like a play, played laser disc. I'm like, yeah. so we had to do for science. It was like this uh, scenario based game that we had to do, where it's like there was a someone was uh, had food sickness because they all went to this picnic, and then we were able to go through different scenarios, like interview the chef, go visit yeah. different things. So I'm like, I was engaged the whole time. I got straight A's in that in that class because I'm like problem solving. Right. And then I go into the next year uh, in seventh grade. I remember like in my English class having to read like a romance novel. I just was not into that. So, and sitting in a classroom where all I, all I want to do is go play basketball or baseball or football. And I'm just like, doo -doo -doo. so I cannot pay attention. I would uh, distract others or, or do all those things because I just wasn't engaged. So sometimes right, when we're trying to standardize education it's right. We lose kind of the individual, right? What, what they want, what they're good at. Um, and then, yeah, so it's tough to do. It's tough to standardize all of education, but I think if there is more kind of student choice and kind of breaking things out, because I think college has it more right than K through 12, where you kind of get to pick more electives, you can kind of start focusing and sometimes it's hard to know when you're younger, but at least try a few different things. Mm -hmm. And actually you were talking about, you know, you see individualized, uh, mm -hmm. like, plans, right? So me being a special education teacher, um, you know, all my students have IEPs, right? Mm -hmm. So individual education plans. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's bit, we just, I've discussed with different people, colleagues, you know, like, that's definitely something that we would want to try to do mm -hmm. at some point and just be more intentional with helping all students develop their uh, own type I didn't of, think individual, of mm -hmm. individual education plan. Like, all of my students, we have to, um, especially at the high school level, create uh, transition plans. So most of the time I'm teaching sophomores. So transition plans, you know, yeah, we want to help our students pass their classes, get good grades, learn the material. But really a lot of my job is how do we connect them after high school? You know, what do you want to do after high school? You know, how you want to live at home with your parents? You're trying to live on your, out on your own. You're trying to stay in this area. You're trying to move. You know, all those little decisions, you know, you got to make other decisions and really plan for that. Um, and even like if you want to be a, a doctor, you know, what school do you want to go to? What kind of mm -hmm. GPA do you need? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people just say, I want to be a doctor and lawyer and don't really understand the requirements right. and what it takes. Right. Um, <clears throat> but also you said something uh, earlier that had me thinking about um, a couple of my uh, BSU students, mm -hmm. uh, Black Student Union. So I had a couple of students who were into like photography and making videos for people. Um, you know, and like, oh, you were talking about your teacher and how he kind of, mm -hmm. you said he had some savings or something. Right, right. He so he was retired police officer. So he would 
I found this out years later when I talked to him that, yeah, he would use his own money to buy stuff. Yeah, so that's what I was going to yeah. say. So actually, my, you know, I had the one student, she wanted like a, a camera, right? She wanted to be a photographer. Mm -hmm. She didn't have enough money. Mm -hmm. So we, we drew a, a contract, you know, I, I, I went to Best Buy with her. We bought the camera no and she paid me back within, mm -hmm. I don't know, six months or so. And, and ever since then, she's been having a phenomenal photography career. <laughs> she'll, be, she'll even take uh, photos of me and my family and mm -hmm. just all the contacts um, that I have. And, you know, like she's doing very well. Uh, another student, same thing, but bought him a video recorder, you know, mm -hmm. so. He started making all kind of videos for people and, and really took off in that area. Um, Jeez, and, and, that's and, cool. Yeah, and they, and they even shared with me one in particular, like it really um, impacted their lives, you know. Uh, I would it, it, you know. Jeez, so you saw something in, in these students, right? And you're like, just, you know. It's just, it's just, you know, all they needed was this little bit of, uh, I guess, you know, support. You right. Know? So if I can do it, I can't say I can buy, you know, everything for my right, students, right. but if I feel like I can and I can trust you and, mm -hmm. you know, but, and I, I would also say that's where, you know, the whole Nate Neville Solutions kind of comes in to where now I can officially do that, do that under mm -hmm. a business and mm -hmm. I just kind of like out of my own pocket, you know, I put more structure around it, but, you know, I've seen just how a little can go a long way, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so, you know, people invested in me, so I like to invest in others. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's life changing. Sometimes it just takes... Yeah, a little bit of, of funding or right. a piece of equipment. Somebody believing in you. Yeah. No, so that's a good point. So do you think it was more, right? Could, what do you think? Do you think it was more that they had a camera? Because they could have got a used one or something. Or do you think the fact that you believed in them pushed them past, like, now, wow, he, he Mr. Rucker actually took me out, got me this camera. Now, like, I, he believed in me. I'm going to make this thing work. Do you think... It could have been some of that. I also, as you were asking the question, mm -hmm. I was thinking about just the connection that I had. It wasn't mm -hmm. like I just met him yesterday and then right, I did right, that. Like right. we had a pretty strong connection, mm -hmm. even to that point, to even for me to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also you think of, I'll just say this real quick and get back to your okay. question. But you, but you think about um, investments. You know, a lot, of, a lot of times investments, you, you, you lose out. You know, yep, you lose yep. your money. So. Yep. In that, those cases, I wasn't too concerned. You know, right. if the first student wouldn't pay me back, I probably wouldn't have invested in the second one. So that right. was kind of good on their That's part. That's true. <laughs> um, but I, I do think it was a little, I think it was more of their passion, though. Right. You know, I, I would say probably 50 50. Their passion, but then also not letting me down, wanting to pay me back. I think that was part of it. But, but, but I would say when you get the opportunity to really dive into something that you really love, mm -hmm. It carries you. Like you're mm -hmm. gonna do whatever it, it, it takes to finish and complete mm -hmm. the one mm -hmm. task and move on to another. It's almost like uh, that place that people like to get to with their careers. Like you mm -hmm. don't want it to be a, a job. Like it's something right. that you have to do. It's something you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. So I would say it was more that they enjoy doing that work. Mm -hmm. You enjoy doing the work, and it's a it's a quality product and service. Mm -hmm. uh, the money's just gonna come. Right, it really does. <laughs> Yeah, people are definitely passionate. So I, I would say in sixth grade, I was became passionate about solving problems, even though I didn't, I didn't know it. Mm. So now I wish some of these things were introduced to me um, that I do now as a business consultant is I help solve problems. So I was like, oh, that's what I was interested in. But do you think that was? I, I think even I've been watching. You know how you've come up and you know the space you've kind of created and dove into. I feel like you created like kind of the or help create and support the upliftment of this space of you know being a problem solver like mm -hmm. you 
ask our parents and grandparents, they wouldn't have thought that jobs like this would exist, you know, right. like just solving problems and, <laughs> and helping businesses like businesses. And, and back in the day, didn't really feel like they needed help. You know, it just became what it was. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know if I kind of I mean, I wouldn't say I invented the job, but it was something that, yeah, my career counselor wouldn't say like, oh, yeah, you know, you should you're pretty good at problem solving. It, it was more like actually this is what my counselor told me. Uh, don't plan on college. Right. Yeah, it's probably not yeah. college isn't meant for everyone. So then that that made me say, all right, I want to go to college <laughs> then. Like, I don't know if they use reverse psychology. I don't think that's what it was. Um, but I, I think so. Here's what kind of motivated me was, I don't know, growing up, uh, just wanting to be independent for, for whatever reason. But just kind of security, having having a son when I was 17. And I'm like, all right. What am, what am I going to do? I need to I need to have a good job so I have insurance for him. I need to not ever uh, be out of a job. So what gives me the best shot is, is uh, always having a job is education. So I'm like, all right, I'll get my bachelor's, get my master's. Right that way, if anything happened, I felt like I could always have a job to support my family. So like my parents didn't go to college. It was never really talked about. You know, I paid for my own college. Same, same. So I'm like. I don't know. I just, I just kind of did it for, I guess, uh, security purposes for, for my family. And so it, it kind of gets to the question I want to talk to you about is the nature versus nurture, gotcha, right? So, gotcha. so in that yeah. scenario, yeah, yeah. I would say maybe some of that was, uh, nature of, I was born with a certain way or, or I don't know, through my environment, I saw what was working and what wasn't, but I was never really, um, right. No one ever really said like, Hey, you need to go to college. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't a thing, so. But, but I would say, and we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. you kind of glossed over it, but, like, you're competitive, right? So mm -hmm. if somebody says you shouldn't go to college or you can't do this, then you're going to do it because you're competitive. <laughs> I'm a winner. So um, so I think you have that in your, you know, your spirit. Um, and even if you looked at just, you know, how somebody's competitive, right? Mm -hmm. If you're looking at nature versus nurture within that. Mm -hmm. You know, I came, you know, I was – I grew up in the Bay Area, you know, my area, mm -hmm. they had, you know, we, we were all about baseball. We even had mm -hmm. some people that came and made it to the league in mm -hmm. baseball. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how competitive we were because we all mm -hmm. felt like we were going to do that. Um, and, and for me, that kind of uh, translated into the classroom. And I had a few mm -hmm. buddies that I was like their only peer who they competed with when it came to, to grades, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, just like we're competitive on the, on the field, we're competitive in the classroom. Um, so, but but that's part of this environment that we kind of created, right? Like, if you don't have that environment, if you don't have peers you can do that with, mm -hmm. then you're, you're not developing. That that um, academic side isn't being nurtured, you know? Your parents can tell you to do something, and that comes out across a, different, a certain way, but it really takes your peers. You need an environment of, of nurturing peers mm -hmm. who are kind of mm -hmm. encouraging you and motivating you to, to be your best self, right? Mm -hmm. So I have students, I had a student in my room the other day just saying how she had a, you know, a bad experience, you know, like getting bullied and mm -hmm. that type of thing. And she's just trying to avoid those spaces, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I'm really um, discouraged about. You know, I, that's another thing that I would say Nathanville Solutions and even on the Stats Lost County Youth Empowerment Program, that's a company that I, you know, kind of helped uh, support, get them off the ground. But they're all about creating safe and nurturing spaces for ind individuals. Because uh, we had to do that with BSU. You know, mm -hmm. we're talking about some heavy topics. Um, and you got to nurture, that space has to be nurturing so you mm -hmm. can have those discussions. We were talking about mm -hmm. that earlier. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the nature side of that, though, having healthy conversations 
is the, the, the traumas that are passed down in certain communities. Because, you know, if you're always getting yelled at or there's all this pain you have to endure in, in, in workspaces or even just how you're treated in stores, mm-hmm. you know, that comes back with you to the home, you know. Um, and, and I was watching this other kind of podcast, actually. Um, I forget the name of it right now. Uh, but this gentleman, it might come back to me, he was mm-hmm. saying how he puts, it, it's a shame that a lot of us puts more energy and, and love to our spaces outside of our families. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, you know, you go to work, you put on your 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 your, your face, of you know, try mm-hmm. to, you know, mask, mask the pain that you're mm-hmm. going through. But then once you get home, you let all that down and mm-hmm. you're, you're angry at home. You're, you know, you're kind of just sulking. So we got to kind of, I guess, reverse that trend so that we don't pass on these traumas to our kids. <laughs> so that's the another thing I, I was thinking about. It's like, for me and you, it came up before. It's like, well, right? how do we spend our day? Okay, so it's like we have families. Mm-hmm. We have communities that we mm-hmm. belong to. We have right things that we want to do if we want to help the youth, if we want to help BSU, if we want to help those. All right, there's our that. Client, clients, anybody clients, we're serving. Yeah. Anyone we're, we're serving. And then there's like the state, there's the, you know, our country, there's so many things. So it's like, and there's, I think there's no right answer, but there's part of me where it's like me and you, we always, we're always doing things. And then I think, all right, am I spending enough time with my family? Like, so starting up this business, like I let, I know I let my health go. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, all right, here, I'm, I'm helping so many other people to your point. Right. And my clients like, what, what about me? And I, I've, I'm like, I'm not selfish. I'm right. Even I said, I, I got my MBA for my family. So I'm working hard for my family, right? I'm working 12 hour shifts for my family, but when do I see my family? Mm-hmm. Right. When, mm-hmm. so when, when is enough's enough? And how do I say, all right, um, there is a, a specific youth group that I'm mentoring. All right. That versus my family versus, right. There's so, so, so many things going on where we need leaders, we need help, we need positive influences, we need great networks. So it's like maybe me and you do a podcast, we help grow that so there's more. We don't feel so much pressure of being one-on-one, but there are ways of, of, of helping out and reaching people. So I don't know. You're saying even what you were saying, I, I'm thinking, you know, uh, that that, I guess that quote, I guess, or that saying, it takes a village to raise mm-hmm, a child. Mm-hmm. So even though, you know, you know, pretty much me and my daughter and, and trying to be there for her the best I can, she's met a, a lot of people through the way I show up and present myself, you know, uh, through serving the community, you know, being the best teacher that I can. Um, you know, she, she, she's grown a lot from that. And, and I think you do a good job of this, too. You know, I bring her to those spaces. Mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm, like I just true. say, okay, I'm doing my job. You stay home or you right. go to your mom's or wherever. You come with me, you know. Right. Um, and she's older now, you know, so earlier she didn't have a choice. You know? Right. But, you know, she, she got to a point where she got to choose, and it was good to see her choosing to be in these spaces. Other times she might not choose to, but a lot of times she did. Um, and, and, and when you choose to be in this space, I think <sighs> – you learn more because you want to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of school, too. That's another discussion. But, <laughs> you know, like wanting to be somewhere is important. Um, but, yeah, I think it takes a village, you know, to mm-hmm. raise a, a child. Um, so I, I think, you know, it's it's important on understanding your role in that village, mm-hmm. you know, and how to – and but also how to step back. Actually, I was going to say this even, you know, as I started, you know, my business, um, a lot of the, this time – 
has been learning more about myself. You mm-hmm. know, like you mm-hmm. said, uh, like self love, self care, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. You know, this last year with the pandemic and mm-hmm. uh, George Floyd, a lot mm-hmm. of social justice issues, mm-hmm. it was hard on me, you know. Mm-hmm. So I had to really, you know, uh, check my mental health, uh, mm-hmm. my physical health. Mm-hmm. So if you can't, it's almost like that whole when you're on an airplane, if you, you got to put the mask mm-hmm. on first, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So if you don't do that, you won't be around to right. take care of your family and whoever else, your community. So just finding that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like telling myself right it's not selfish when i'm i'm exercising right it's not and, it, and my family encourages me and everything so it's my own hang up so something i i did want to ask you was we talked a little bit about it but you were on a panel and it was about right biracial families and mm-hmm. man I was th- when you just told me you're gonna go speak at that right so my my wife is hispanic my daughter's biracial and i just didn't really think about it. I told you that story and it still, it still sticks with it, right? The story of there's a friend who I had in fourth grade and I switched schools and then I saw him again in high school and he seemed like a, a different person. And my dad was friends with his dad. He was biracial. And it was like, it made me sad when I heard this about my friend. It's like, yeah, we had to move him out of a certain school because he wasn't black enough to fit in the black crowd. He wasn't white enough to fit in the white crowd. So he was kind of lost. So we changed schools on him and he, he, he would fit right in at the school that we had. And maybe it's because your brother was the president and I was vice president. And that's how we were making everyone feel welcome. I won't give us that much credit, but like it was my first time I would say like feeling like sad for one of my friends. I'm like, man, I never really thought like being able to fit in and maybe I'm naive how I grew up where we're so welcoming and it just, it wasn't a, a certain thing, but so what'd you learn from that? And like what, yeah, biracial when someone who really doesn't fit in, right? Someone, right. Did, would, would, could my daughter go into um, a Hispanic club and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, you, you're not Hispanic enough for this. And like, so it started making me worry a little exactly. bit. Yeah. yeah. And so, and even kind of what, what I was thinking on what you were saying, like, it's one thing not to fit in because you don't dress super cool or super fly or you're not the, you know, you're not the smartest or the most athletic, right? Those are mm-hmm. things you can kind of improve and work on. Mm-hmm. But the color of your skin, your ethnicity, you know, your heritage, you don't change those things. You know, you can learn mm-hmm. more about it, but you mm-hmm. don't change those mm-hmm. things. Um, so it's really, I, the way that I see it, it's traumatizing when somebody is picking on you because of that you know that's something mm-hmm. you can't change so right it's like now if i get picked on like you were saying he had to change schools i can't be in this space anymore because you don't value or see mm-hmm. me for who i am um and you're picking on me because of who i am mm-hmm. um and so that's that's really disheartening um and actually when you were asked about you know uh you know your daughter being able to go to certain spaces because mm-hmm. she's not you know mm-hmm. she's not uh cultured enough or whatever mm-hmm. it is those spaces, that's where it comes with the nature versus nurturing. Those spaces mm-hmm. got to be more nurturing, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. say it's, it's part of our nature. I would say our, it's part of our nature to be more loving, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And to be loving and to care, compassionate. But for some reason, we, we do a bad, our environment teaches people how to hate. Yes. Right? From social media, from mm-hmm. television, mm-hmm. our own families. Like, you know, then that rubs off to other families, like, we really got to uh, do a better job nurturing these spaces because then mm-hmm. if we don't, that's when people don't reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. Because now I probably should have been in this. Maybe I would have been a, a great actor or something, but because I didn't feel comfortable being in drama mm-hmm. because I was the only black kid or mm-hmm. they kind of 
always gave me certain roles because I was black and mm-hmm. I don't want to have to play the stereotypical role. So I'm just not going to be in that space. Mm-hmm. So it is making um, spaces more uh, culturally uh, aware and more culturally mm-hmm. sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's big, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I was blessed with my situation growing up um, where my my dad, he didn't say like, hey, Gary, we're, we're colorblind in this family. Like we don't. He just never, never really gave a crap on like whoever a good person is like that's who you, right? That's who you relate to. So I was thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, skin color is, it was never important to me because it never gave me the information I wanted, right? It wasn't a good indicator of a person. So I'm like, what I cared about when I was younger was, right? Who's good at sports, right? Who, who, who could laugh at my jokes? Who's funny? Like, I, I think you could tell more about a person from their haircut or their shoes and you can their skin color, right? Like I look at someone's shoes, I could kind of tell, all right, what they're into. Oh, this person wore basketball shoes. They like basketball, but it was just the schools I went to. You couldn't really tell anything by skin color. I don't know. Right. Do they have a good family? Like it didn't matter. I knew white kids that had bad family. It's a spectrum. So it, it didn't give me enough information, someone's skin color. So I never valued skin color because it didn't give me the information I was looking for as a, as a youngster. But I, so, and cause you started with your dad, right? Right. So it seemed, and I know your dad, you know, <laughs> Gary, Gary Senior, you know, yeah. like great guy. And and he always showed me love every time yeah. I see him, yeah. right? So even just think about that, like my younger brother was like your best friend, yeah. you know? So, and I have other, you know, non-black friends who I'm really close with that are like my best friends. I don't think they realize the impact that I have on their lives, especially if I'm like one of their few black friends, you know, mm-hmm. we have a really close relationship. Um, Cause then it helps you see, oh, dang, Ronaldo's just like me, you know, but mm-hmm. a lot of groups, you know, non-black groups, they don't have even one black friend in that mm-hmm. group. So, and so the only information they're getting is what they see on TV mm-hmm. and what their parents say or mm-hmm. what, what somebody else says, you know? So I think, that's why these cultural spaces like BSU or LSU, HYOCs for you know these student um, cultural clubs are important. You know, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like in, when in BSU that I advised, there were all kind of ethnic backgrounds. You know, and I, I really feel like this, the non-black students probably learn more than the black students, mm-hmm. right? Because the black students already know a lot about their culture, but I think it's more stereotypical. So I think mm-hmm. they get to learn more about the uh, the 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 true the truth of their heritage through space like BSU but but also non-black students get to see that too it's like oh wow all these stereotypes you see on TV like that's false like this is the reality of it so now you learn how to see your your non uh, or, or I guess your black friend or african american friend you get to see them as another individual but you also get to embrace their culture mm-hmm. as well to mm-hmm. where we say colorblind i don't see color it's not even that i don't see color but i'm not going to treat you differently because of that you know just like you know i I apologize i don't know your ethnic background um and you might not even know a lot of it to tell the (laughs) truth but it's like it's good to be aware of that Mm because that helps you understand you know just who you are and then even where you're trying to go Mm -hmm. um so i was even i I probably shouldn't be saying this right now i'm not (laughs) sure but i'm i'm trying to go through the uh, graduate Omega process, the Omega fraternity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I've talked to some of the the members and like, it's, it's almost like at 42 years old right now, like I'm finally 
becoming whole and complete with mm-hmm. my identity. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say BSU as an advisor helped me do that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's um, it's kind of unfortunate, right? I should already have been at that point because if you're not complete with who you are and confident, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's hard to make the right choices for your life. So, so I think so. Yeah, recently I did look more into my background. I did the ancestry dot com. So then I'll ask you a question in a few. But then it's yeah. like, how much do we dwell in the background versus living in the current state versus thinking true, in the true. future? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because what I found I didn't like it was it was <laughs> ugly, yeah. and and it was kind of just on humanity. It's just, so all right on my on my dad's side, we're French and Native American Indian. Gotcha. So finding out that, you know, Native Americans, they can't have their own last name in the sentence. So you had to take over what, whoever you're married to. And then so my great grandpa lived on an Indian reservation. So that so I used to read a lot of like historical Indian books and and wow, just learning a lot. And, and it was very cool because I didn't know a lot of this side before. Um, then on my mom's side, uh, she passed away in 2020. So I'm like, yeah, I do want to learn more. I didn't know a lot of her side. But it was, you know, we're Yugoslavian on that side. And then I asked Monica the question, I'm like, is Yugoslavia still a thing? Yeah, sure. Right? She's like, yeah. no. So I'm like, I don't think it is. I think it like went away. So I looked it up. So that was kind of a bummer. Like, wow, where I am on my mom's side, that place doesn't even exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? So I had to look deeper. Like, all right, Yugoslavia is kind of a territory of different countries. So like, all right, my mom's side is from Croatia. And then I looked up Yugoslavia. Right, and it comes from it means slaves of the north. Gotcha. So Slavia yeah. me is slave. Gotcha. So I started looking into that, and I look, and I remember in the '90s with uh, Bill Clinton was the president, and all that stuff in Serbia, and with uh, Vladi Divac and Drazen Petrovic, and I remember this like the Olympics and like what was going on, and the Serbs getting killed and all that. And so I looked and like, what was that about? Now that I'm older, and it's just right. Even though everyone looked the same, they found another reason to hate each other. It's because someone had a different accent, uh, different religions. And when I was looking at the people, I couldn't tell the difference of who was in what right tribe, if you want to call it. And, and man, it was just like ugly. The things, right? There was like their own Holocaust in Yugoslavia. Not, not as big as the one in Germany, but um, it, was, it was just ugly. I'm just like, wow, people suck. All right? I don't want to think <laughs> about that anymore. Like, all right, what's going on right now? Like, how can we, how can we make things better? So I, I don't know. It was like... Uh, the more you look into it, the nastier it is. <laughs> and, and you, that might happen a lot, actually. Yeah. But it's like it's like hiding from the truth, right? That's yeah. Like, there's that you need thin to line. No, like because you you started by saying you know it was ugly and you you know didn't like it, but from what I heard, it was a lot of growth. Um, you learn some things, and it's, it's like true. to me, you learn what you don't want to be like, and and right, and and, and I would say that kind of ties into nature versus nurturing mm-hmm. too, to where that background and that history that you learned that's part of your your nature Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. at least that's part of your um you know your ethnic makeup Mm -hmm. you know you might not be um displaying those same you know attributes or those behaviors (laughs) but honestly some people i would even speak in my you know from my standpoint i find sometimes like like trauma seeps in so I don't know if you ever heard of uh, PTSS. We might have talked about it. Uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome. Oh, no. Meaning, and, and this is uh, Dr. Joy DeGruy. You know, she did a study. I think it was her dissertation on just how trauma is passed down. You know, it's like it's in your DNA mm-hmm. to where if, you're, if, if you kind of suffer from that, you're going to be more prone to negative and traumatic types of um, spaces, mm-hmm. right? So you mm-hmm. might... 
even like being talked about or something or, or, mm-hmm. or like to fight or things like that because mm-hmm. that's you know what you're used to from a, a, a nature standpoint mm-hmm. being passed down because of how you were treated and, 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 and how your parents were treated. So you got to change that cycle. So that's where mm-hmm. the, nur- the nurture comes in at, right? And so and when one thing, it kind of connects, you know, because you got to learn these things so you can change it and be better, like right. you said. Yep. Um, like, so in the present, right? So when I went to this this whole, like, summer, as soon as school ended, like I said, last year was just so stressful and hard. It was a hard year for a lot of us, um, mm-hmm. if not all. And so mm-hmm. as soon as um, this, the, the last day of school was, like, May, end of May, I went out to Tulsa, and I drove, you know, this is from California, Modesto, California, to, to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and, of course, I stayed in different Airbnbs along the way, but, um, you know, I went there for the centennial of the Black Massacre. And so, you know, just so, when, when you, and, that, and that's a good example of how to revisit something, right? Because mm-hmm. if you can revisit something that was so painful and then start healing from it and, and, and bring the community, or, you know, galvanize and bring them around a common issue from a loving perspective mm-hmm. on how to, you know, uh, restore, you know, restorative justice, how to restore a situation. Mm-hmm. It can really elevate your community to mm-hmm. something really special, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll just finish with, on this point, uh, my last stop on that journey before I turned back to California, I went to Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and I went to Bill Street and I just saw all these mm-hmm. African-Americans there, um, and then the next day I talked to a woman at the Boys and Girls Club doing some, you know, some business research or whatnot. And she was saying how Memphis was like 64% black. And I was like, wow, you know, so it, it I felt that, you know, even mm-hmm. though I didn't know the, the statistics, I felt that. And I tell people, usually like in Modesto in particular, but in a lot of places in our, in our in, in, from a national perspective mm-hmm. in the U.S., if you're a black person, you got to find a black community mm-hmm. within your community. Mm-hmm. When I was in Memphis, I was just already in a black community, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that was just a whole different feeling of, mm-hmm. of pride and confidence and, and more so like I belong there. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you belong somewhere, mm-hmm. it's like you have ownership, right? And when I teach entrepreneurship, it's all about ownership. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you own your education or you own your house you live in, mm-hmm. you're going to want to put more time and energy mm-hmm. into it because it's mine. I control it. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like you know, somebody else is kind of controlling your steps or you're not always welcome somewhere, you're not going to really put too much into it. So that is why it's important to do this research and learn mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you can have the most amount of confidence to just be right. your best best self. Yeah, and I, th- I think you said it too. It's about, yeah, love, learning, learning history. And, and no, I think, that, so I read this paper and it's, right, so basically the, the premise is when someone asks like, oh, you know, what about Nazis, how evil they were, the things that they did, right? Where is that nature versus nurture, right? So this paper was saying that, right? If you I, ask I like, hear, hear yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, okay. That sounds <laughs> interesting. All right. So, right. So in a class, he's a professor. He said like, raise your hands, right? Who, who would have done what Nazi would have done? Everyone raised their Like, no one, I wouldn't do that. He's like, you think you want it. Right. But how do you know you want it? That's all those same people who ended up doing this. So look, here's, so you brought up different, um, story, letters that they wrote. Like when they were forced, they had a gun to their head they had to like say, shoot and kill someone. They wrote, they're throwing up. They wanted to commit suicide. They hated themselves. And then they killed or be killed, killed, killed or be killed. So I I do not empathize for Nazis or any of that. That's not the point of this paper. Right. So the paper was that you could become things if, unless you know how evil men could be, Mm -hmm. 
women, whoever could be like, you have to know that, that it, they started as innocent people and they started going further and further Then by like week three of their journal, like, yep, how to, how to shoot a baby today, like desensitized to it. But the fact, if we're, if we're so naive to think, oh no, we would never turn evil. We'll never do mean things to people. Like that's not true. So yeah, I I'm with you on some, you have to look historically you know your history, and like, if you don't, you repeat the same steps. It's to repeat itself. Like when I yeah. was younger, I would hear that, but we wouldn't know what it meant. But exactly what right. you're saying, like we could easily find ourselves in some situations that happened in the past that were just so horrific because we didn't, because we don't take the time to study it. And 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 that's another thing with education and a lot of spaces within our society. We're we're not really proactive. We're just mm. so reactive to things mm -hmm. to where okay, we'll try to put a bandaid on it, but let's try to get to the what is it the the root of the cause right, right right so we don't have to worry about that ever invading our society mm -hmm. or at least if it does we know how to how to handle it i think the true, solution true. is love true. right yeah, like, like like yeah. what you're saying so i think in the in the complex environment like i'm a person of unity i say like how right i, I don't like when people are, are fighting amongst each other like how do we how do we solve this how do we get together So it is like, right, there, there's a, a time where it's like, all right, we need to look at our own community, our own teams and groups, but how do we all, like, what, what is our, our vision for all of us together, uh, different races, we all live together in the United States. So I think having some common framework to unify us is always important. Um, so when I, when I hear things like, um, yeah, we're going to start separating by race again, like I don't want to get political. I don't care about politics, but it's just like, Oh man, is that like, I, I just don't like that. And, and maybe I'm being naive or like, maybe there needs to be some of that where people need to talk amongst themselves. And then as long as we come back together, I guess is my point. So I don't know if you have any, have any thoughts on that? Cause it's well, tough. Well, so one, and I, and I was thinking even right now, as you were saying it, should I even say this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, say it. Well, Even when people use the term racist, like, like the, the different races mm -hmm. i i cringe sometimes because i'm like we're we're all the human race yeah. we just have different you know cult cultural mm -hmm. makeup mm -hmm. different ethnic backgrounds and even like terminology certain, certain things like that would help put a certain framework around right. discussion right so but to go to the point about you know uh kind of being in your own spaces and then coming back together mm -hmm. um like so bsu you know it's always about You know, all students learning about mm -hmm. the African-American um, experience, you know, Black Student Union. Um, so it's for everybody. Right. But I'll share this. So this is we had um, these breakout discussions where you would have all the guys or so like the young men would get together and talk mm -hmm. about, you know, uh, issues specifically to men mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how it relates to women and other situations and how mm -hmm. they show up. And then the women will be doing the same thing. So the women mm -hmm. be talking about their issues and mm -hmm. how it relates to men and mm -hmm. just being a woman in their own, you know, mm -hmm. viewpoints. But then they would all come together and they would share, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. some of the things they talked about and how mm -hmm. we can get a, a come, you know, get create more healthy spaces within mm -hmm. our interaction. So I feel like if it's done in that way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to where, you know, you have different ethnic groups, you know, having discussions, but from a positive standpoint right. to where, how can we love better? How yep. can we empathize better mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and support other, you know, either ethnic groups, other uh, uh, genders, whatever mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. is. It can be healthy, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, 100%. it has to be done in, 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 mm -hmm. from a, from a, 
with the right intentions. And we mm-hmm. talked about that, mm-hmm. you know, off, off air, <laughs> you know, about having the right intention. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important too. So I like that you said you're going to cringe about race because I, me and Monica, we talk about this. So if you look at like filling out a form, it says race or was slash ethnicity. Mm-hmm. So it'd say black, white, Hispanic. So I say to Monica, who's Hispanic, like black's a color, white's a color, Hispanic's not a color. Like where's yeah. the consistency like that? So what are we talking about here? Why does it say black, white, brown? Are we talking about colors or are we talking about, you know, where your parents came from, your culture? Like even that, it doesn't make any sense. So that one's hard. <laughs> so, because I even so okay. So so when I hear black, and I can only speak to black, to where I see it as if you mark black, you can be Cuban, you can be Nigerian, you can be, you know, have a whole lot of different ethnic makeups. You can, you know, but let's say you were to put, um, you were you were from Africa, mm-hmm. right? You can there's there's white people from Africa, right? right? That's yeah. not really yeah, Dave Matthews you. Band or whatever that guy. Yeah, they're so you yeah. you can you know so it's mm. so it, it's it's about the information you're trying to gather. But from that standpoint, it's like why do you want to know if somebody's black or not? Yeah, you know, because even because I would even say that it, if, when you're looking at like somebody who's from Nigeria versus mm-hmm. an African American, right. those even though we're both black per se. Mm-hmm. We have two very different experiences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who migrated to America from Nigeria, who wasn't mm-hmm. part of the, you know, the slave trade, mm-hmm. and um, that's where you get that nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They don't have all that trauma that was associated, that was passed down from generation to generation. So they're like a true uh, immigrant, right? Mm-hmm. They have all the hopes and goals and dreams of everybody else that migrated here. Mm-hmm. But African American, they, I would say it's different because I would say you don't have the ownership, mm-hmm. right? I didn't, my parents didn't volunteer to come over here, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you struggle to be here at times because you don't mm-hmm. feel like you belong because um, you didn't have that choice, right? Mm-hmm. So it just depends on why we're collecting the data. Right. Um, and actually, That's I'll good. share this because uh, I was in the doctoral program. And maybe I shouldn't be talking about this, but, <laughs> you know, it's it's all about why we're doing the research, how we're doing it. Are we trying to, how we use the information, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. a lot of it is just, um, <clears throat> I don't know. It doesn't, I don't, I don't quite understand it all because I don't see, I mean, there's progresses, but it, it, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's progressing fast enough. So mm-hmm. it's like, what are we really doing with these, with this information? Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't know. And I, yeah, I look at, uh, you know, I, I watch, used to watch UFC a lot and there's a, a fighters, the middleweight champion who me and Monica really like, uh, Anderson Silva. Yeah, right. Yeah. So if you look at him like, okay, that's a black guy. Well, he's, mm-hmm. he's from Brazil and he speaks mm-hmm. Portuguese. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's like, or Pablo Sandoval when he, on the Giants, you know, he speaks Spanish mm-hmm. from Venezuela, but people, oh, is he African-American? He's... Right, so that just confuses people so much. But it's like, well, I don't know, he's a person. Like, he's let's just, he's a good ball yeah, good ball, a good ball player. player. Like, yeah, who cares? Yeah, yeah. good. Fight. But I mean, there are reasons to care, yeah, you know, true, um, true. especially to when learn. You're younger and you're coming right. up and you're trying to provide services, but right. it's about how you use that information, though. Yeah, so it's good. So I, I guess, kind of my point is, I think, right, anyone and and me too. We in in the United States, we have just. We don't really have a worldview as much as people who've been to different countries and see what's going on, like in Africa. So for me, sometimes, right, I, I complain about things, the country, or I complain about different things, like 
geez, back to helping severely handicapped children. Like, and there's some countries that still have slavery. There's some countries that don't have good drinking water. It's like, I'm not saying we should stop trying to improve what we have, but sometimes we have to take a deep breath and like, all right, things aren't, aren't as bad as some others. And we're, we're pretty fortunate in some areas. Let's, can we help them out? Can we help other countries out? But also, yeah, we need to progress too. We could get even better. We should always continuously improve and always be the best. Um, but sometimes just looking at other countries, it's like, wow, it's, um, there's some sad stuff that I think we, we should be able to help not only our country, but maybe some other countries as well. But like you said, you know, you have to have that experience of travel, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was fortunate to go to Barcelona with, um, what four, yeah, four other uh, previous, uh, BSU, uh, presidents that I've been able to mentor, advise. Um, and, and I would even say we face some discrimination in those, mm. in those areas. Right. And so, but being prepared through BSU, mm. you know, you learn how to, you know, handle it to mm. where it's not, it doesn't really affect your experience to where mm -hmm. you can still enjoy the experience. It wasn't like it was just crazy all over the place, you know, mm -hmm. you know, but it, it happened. It was subtle. I mean, sometimes it wasn't that subtle, but, um, but one Traveling to Barcelona and then having that experience, it almost makes you appreciate America a little bit more in some ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, well, it's not just here, you know, having right. other places. Mm -hmm. um, but it's good to have that world view so you can mm -hmm. either take it back to your country and 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 and, and use that information to make your country better, or mm -hmm. like you said, helping other countries with mm -hmm. your experience and mm -hmm. all that. So. Um, that's where that whole place-based education kind of comes mm, in. Like nice. when you're able to travel and, mm -hmm, and, and see different mm -hmm. uh, experiences, you know, local, national, whatever it is, uh, abroad, it makes you a better human mm -hmm. and then you mm -hmm. can better mm -hmm. serve your community. Right. So, so, yeah, just learning more. And, and sometimes now I'm thinking you don't even have to go outside of your country. Right? You could see when I was in Mississippi, that's I seemed like I was in a different mm -hmm. world. Exactly. exactly. There's stuff going on there and they wonder why I talk so fast. I'm like, why do you guys talk so <laughs> slow? And so yeah there's just uh yeah, but that's a good know. point though even when you say that i'm thinking if you're if a if you're talking slow somewhere that means you to me that you're valuing your time right mm -hmm. like i'm sitting here with gary like i'm gonna talk slow and so we can really you know appreciate our time we're not rushing you mm -hmm. know it's like you know i'm valuing this mm -hmm. moment right mm -hmm. so it says a lot you know mm -hmm. but like you said i mean maybe in new york you know california you probably do talk fast because you're always on the move and so it, it really helps you understand uh, the priorities of a certain region sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, one one thing I did, I think I told you this when I was 18, I was working for MCI as I was going to school, and it was we um, we would type for deaf people. Okay. Um, so it was a service yeah, yeah, that we offered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a doctor from, where we, I think it was from Texas. Okay. And he was having to talk to one of his deaf patients. And in my head, I'm like, this guy sounds like an idiot. I'm like, but he's a doctor, you know, so it's messed because he's like, yeah, how y'all doing? Right. Kind of had the Texas accent. So he kind of sound or I mean, he sounded like a hick to me. And I'm like, oh, this guy's. But wait, he's a doctor. Right. So it just kind of messed with me. I'm like, so why am I judging by this guy's accent? I'm and he talks slow. So I'm like, oh, he talks slow. He must think slow. Right. Me just being an idiot. I'm like, oh, OK, that has nothing to do with how intelligent this person is. Why am I? So it, it was good that you had that experience. Yeah, know, yeah. Because then hopefully, you know, you learn from it and you didn't judge people in that same way moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, it actually reminds me when I was at one of the BSU conventions because uh, that I went to, because uh, students run for office, right? Different, mm -hmm. you know, president, vice president, and so forth. 
And one of this, and this is like a, this was a state uh, convention. So these are students from all over the state. And so I hadn't seen this one student, but he was running for one of these positions and he stuttered, like he had a stuttering problem. Mm -hmm. So he, it took him a while to get through his speech. And that was really my first time really like just thinking about, man, you don't have to be perfect to give a speech, you know, or, mm -hmm. or to, to run for office, you know. You just got to be in a nurturing space where people don't pick on you. Right, you know, so you right. get your thoughts across, you know, and, and mm -hmm. you know, because it's, it's not it, a lot of times I think people. They, yeah, we're, we have a long way to go. I think mm -hmm. we got better as a society, but we still judge people, you know, based oh, yeah. on like, you know, what they're wearing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, how they sound, um, you know, all of that. So but it's really about, you know, the you know, the, the content of their character, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, their actions. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. You know, even that young man that was stuttering. It's like, okay, based on your speech, you know, unless your words were really powerful, I might not have voted for you. But if you can show me that you, what you have done, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I, okay, I like your work, you know, mm -hmm. even though you, you might not be the person that I would think that I would want to have, you know, speaking for me at times, I would definitely want you to represent me. Right, because so, right, how, how brave is that? Knowing yeah, you have a stutter to go, yeah. to go up and do it anyways, that 100%. people who don't have a stutter are scared to death to go and speak in public. So, that, yeah, so that, that action. That's yeah. That, like you just said, the, his strength, confidence, mm -hmm. bravery, that, that might have won the position right there, knowing that he had to have that to do that. You know, right. 100%. So then it, it's with that, it's sometimes, right, you have some things, some challenges, but then it, it allows you to become a, a, a bigger hero or like, yeah. right? Yeah. If there's no, if life is easy, that's why it's a boring story, right? <laughs> with life is easy. I always cheer for the underdog. I always want the under, where there's a boxing match or whatever it is. Like I, I want the underdog to win because it's a better story. So even someone who, who tells a story about, yep, I, I've been on drugs and now I'm, I'm back Right. So now I'm going to talk uh, at all these conferences about how I right, do do some public speaking about it. Right. So part of me, I want to say, like, well, we don't want to talk to the person who was like so mentally strong. They never did drugs. Right. But it's just not as good, a, good as a story. And, and I get it. So I don't think there's a, a right or wrong to it. But people want to hear right, about someone who has that experience with it. Versus someone who who prevented it, who might have had the experience. With, I don't see, know. But see, that's a good point. So now you tie that <laughs> back into to nature and nurture, yep, right? right? So you have one person who never tested drug, and then you had this person that struggled with it. Why? Mm -hmm. You know, this mm -hmm. person, this person that struggled with it might have had a, a, a you know, it's it genetics. Be, it's, exactly. There's genetics. It's, it's the addiction. Genetics yeah, for yeah. why they're just they're more addicted to things, right? Um, and they might have did their environment might have been horrible to where mm -hmm. it was all in their face and, and right. their peers yep. did yep. it, you know, but this other person was able to stay away from it, you know, mm -hmm. might have had the right mentors and support, didn't have the genetic makeup to mm -hmm. be addicted to things. Right. So there's a lot of factors. Mm -hmm. We don't always look at that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's back to your point of just learning. I think humility to say we don't know everyone, so we shouldn't judge everyone because we don't really know their situation. And, mm -hmm. And if we're too lazy to take the time to really care or understand, then really we shouldn't be passing judgment. Exactly, 100%. 100%. So that's why I think having conversations like this just show like, yeah, if you if you really want to have relationships and, and talk to people, it's good to sit down and, and talk things through because there's a, a lot of speech out there that's not as friendly and people, I don't think it's surrounded by love, uh, you know, so. And even I would say like going back to intentions, right? Even I would say our conversation today, I wasn't really trying to convert anybody right. you know, and, and, and make you view anything a certain way, but it's just about sharing my experiences, mm -hmm. 
my uh, expertise in certain areas, and then you come to your own conclusions, you mm -hmm. know, and whatever the, those conclusions are, they're yours. And like right. I said, if you take the time to follow up and research some of it, mm -hmm. some of it to draw even, you know, more conclusions or be more confident in your conclusions, mm -hmm. you know, that's up to the individual. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yeah, we got to, like you said, you know, put... Um, have love and, and the right intentions in, in the center of, of our action. Mm -hmm. you know, so. so is there any advice? We'll kind of wind this up, but right for a student who that you might have for a student who might either be struggling with identity or maybe struggling even just at school that you're just not motivated. And like, is there advice that you could give them to, to finish through school or like what, what is something through your experience that you've seen work for other students that, that maybe if you share it might help a, a student? Well, when you said identity, you know, I think if you have a, a, a strong uh, either ethnic studies program mm -hmm. or a cultural club, you know, to where you can learn more about yourself and even mm -hmm. others, I think that helps. Um, and not, only, not even always culture. You know, we talked about, um, I, I had a PAL program. It stood for uh, peer assistant learners, right? So students from the general ed population, you know, students mm -hmm. that are considered not to have any, you know, learning disabilities. They come in and work with my students who do mm -hmm. have learning disabilities. Um, and so they gained a lot of empathy mm -hmm. by working with, you know, um, you know, different population of mm -hmm. students. So, you know, so I would definitely say you got to step out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. and try new things. Mm -hmm. um, it may be a new sport, a new club, um, and even the things you are interested in. You know, don't wait for a friend to join you. You know, you just mm -hmm. go out and do it and hope and hope to make new friends. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely stepping out of your comfort zone, um, but also knowing how to speak up for yourself, um, advocate for yourself. If there's something that you really need or you want, make sure you can uh, speak to an adult or a peer, your parents. Um, to help advocate for those things. Um, and, and then I would say be more intentional about thinking about your future. Mm -hmm. You know, like if it's like, okay, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a baseball player, whatever it is, really understand the practical steps of doing those things. I'm not going to say, like I have a student that wants to be a streamer, right? Mm -hmm. And even, even still, when I hear that, I don't know all the details of what that <laughs> means. But I'm going to support you in doing that because he knows a lot more about that space than I do. But let's learn some more about it. You know, mm -hmm. how can we, is there uh, certain vocational schools or colleges that can help you develop those skills? Mm -hmm. Are there experts that are local or that mm -hmm. we can reach that can help you? Um, but take care of what's in front of you, right? So the more you take care of what's in front of you as far as a certain class or even your chores at home, mm -hmm. Then you have time to do all these other things that are that you're more passionate about. Um, so just handle your business <laughs> the best you can. And I would also say, last thought, you you can't really plan and, and envision everything. What right. you can plan for is doing the best you can in the present moment, um, um, and, and really pouring in the the most of yourself into that present moment. And then trust me, things will happen for you beyond measure, uh, uh, beyond your imagination in a positive way because you always did your best in those moments. Um, so, yeah, just always try your best in those moments. Ask for help when needed. And, and I think a lot of you'll have a lot more successes if you can mm -hmm. do that. So you said just at the end quickly, ask for help when you need it. Right. I think that's some, that's great advice because that's something I'd struggle with. I think your brother Reggie struggled with, and I don't know if you did, but we were so damn stubborn and want to be independent, do everything our, our own. 
it took me much longer to learn like, Hey, you know what? It's okay to ask for help. And you know yeah. what, what? So my dad taught me this in high school. I forget. It was in one of them. I don't know. I must've been struggling in a class or something, but he told me, and I tell my students this all the time too. He said, a closed mouth does not get fed. So when I heard it that, well, I was like, "Dang, you're right." Like, <laughs> I might not want to ask for help, but I'd rather eat than starve. That's right. You know. Yeah. So if you think I'm dumb for asking a question, I don't even care because I'm about to get what I need in this moment, <laughs> and that's helped me out. A, that's helped me out a lot because I think, and even a lot of people, a lot of my friends and peers, they they recognize that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll ask questions, and mm-hmm. I'm very um, intuitive. You know, to where. You know, I want to learn more. I don't care if it's right. dumb or not. So, you know, just well, and don't you, be afraid. And I have to say, like, you're the best listener, meaning, try. yeah, well, like, I, not that I do, but I almost have to speak carefully around you because I know nothing gets by you because, <laughs> no, not that you're trying to hold things, but you're like, so you're listening. You're so engaged when someone's talking, like, you'll ask the best questions, like, Wow, you, he's listening to everything I'm saying. Like, so I have to be very careful on what I say, even though I'm not. But right, you know what? So, and I, and I that's a skill, with that, and I appreciate that because sometimes I, because then I sometimes I ask a lot of questions. I don't even let the person get through their mm. through their uh, their story sometimes. But a lot of times it's just you know because it's it's how I process information. Like you said, I and I do really want to hear what you're saying. So right. if I if you said something I don't really fully understand. You know how it fits into the story, or even right. like you know what you meant by it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, I, I never thought that you were doing it for you to understand. I don't know if it's because you're doing it to make me feel like you're paying attention or what. I'd never even no, thought really about that, to, but really yeah, but yeah, that's no, yeah, that's totally what it is. Like you really do because the questions you ask, it's not like, mm-hmm, yeah, what, but you ask really good questions. Like, oh, so you make people think when you're asking those questions as well. To like, especially if you, I don't know what I meant by that. Yeah, and especially if somebody's a lot of times, if somebody's just telling me a story, then I'm gonna listen a certain way. But if somebody's right. saying, you know, I want to get your opinion or advice, right? Or, right. Or, then I'm like, I really got to hear you so I can give mm-hmm. you the best feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna do you a disservice if I'm not really listening. And then, like, yeah, and then I am doing it for me. We all listen and process in different ways. So, mm-hmm. I mean, some people don't need to ask any questions and they can fully mm-hmm. get, I guess, just of the story. So, that's how I work, though. <laughs> not a <laughs> No, it's, it's a great skill that I think people should definitely utilize because you could really, asking those questions, you know, if you are trying to learn about someone, ask certain questions. And But again, we, me and you have this environment that we made for ourselves when we're talking that we could talk about whatever, our family, we're talking about very personal things because, again, it's love. It's like, here, I'm going to help you. If you called me at 3 a.m. and needed anything, I wouldn't ask questions. I would be there, and it's the same way. So it's... Yeah, how do you, how do you get that with people? But I think it starts with, with yeah transparency and just having good intentions and like you know trying to trying to help people when you can, but also help yourself. And I think in this conversation, I'm learning like things are difficult, right? We're talking about like learning your history, but being present and then thinking about the future, right? It's difficult. And then I'm thinking about my family, yet my career, right? So so we know that things are diffi- difficult. So and nature versus nurture. N- yeah. Ties in right. And what sure. other people are doing and then we, not even the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I, I think to kind of close out, I think surrounding yourself by good people is something that you brought up, people that, that build you up and that are, are positive. Because it is, it's so difficult right now. It's just, um, yeah, people you could talk to and, yeah, make some safe mistakes, right? Do Go out and try and, and um, right, live your best life. And don't be afraid to, to, to be lonely or do things by yourself because 
Yeah, you might not have that positive person to be around, but you have yourself. So right. treat, love yourself sometimes mm-hmm. and do what you need, even if you don't have a group or a person to do it with. Just make sure you do it in a safe way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So um, anything else as, as we close out? Nah, was it fun? Like, it was fun, fun for me. I got, got okay. all love and respect for you. So yeah, I'm glad same. you know you, you encouraged me to do this and I look forward to seeing where, where this goes. All right. Well, hopefully there's more. So thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, sir. We'll chat soon. Peace out. Mm-hmm.